Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I want to make a couple of announcements before I introduce our guests. Next week on the 13th at Pioneer Title on River Road, we will be doing a presentation on the topic of reverse mortgage. We have a program that allows reverse down to the age of 55, up to $4 million. If interested, text 520-907-0534 with your name and the number of attendees or send me an email of the lawmatters1030.org website. And don't forget about the concert on the 16th in Oro Valley. It's the Rockin' for Heroes, and it's at 23 West Cali Concordia from noon to 6 p.m. And after almost three years of COVID and construction and not having a Veterans Day parade, this year we're having one. So save the date, uh, Friday, Friday the 11th of November. And if you want to be in the parade, go to the website to sign up. I'll have more details by next week. But this is a good start. We're getting back to almost normal. Okay, in the studio, we have the elections director, Constance Hargrove. Thank you. Good morning, Sherry. Thank you for having me on. There is so much going on with elections, as you know. Let's start from the beginning. Let's hear a little bit about you and your experience. Um, so I am a transplant to Arizona. I uh, arrived here in April. I am from um, Chesterfield, Virginia, where I served as the elections director four or five years. Um, however, I've been in elections for 28 years, um, mainly as the deputy registrar in both the city of Richmond and Chesterfield County. Oh, wow. You've got a, a good history. So you know what's going on. I do know what's going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I know we have some new voting processes, but before we start with that, there's a deadline coming up for getting registered to vote, right? Um, yes, the deadline is October the 11th. So is that at midnight? 11.59 p.m., yes. Even though you're not open. Can you do um, it on the computer? So, um, and, and I'm actually the elections director, so voter registration is actually it's not different. my area. Right. But um, you can um, register online. I do believe that you have to have a um, an Arizona driver's license or ID to do that. Um, okay. But you can um, get, I believe, applications at libraries um, and, of course, at the uh, recorder's office. Okay. As long as we brought up the recorder's office... Let's talk about the difference between your job and the recorder's office. Explain to people, they both have a hand in elections, in the voting process, but explain to people what the difference is. Sure. Um, The recorder's office handles all of the voter registration and early voting, um, including the emergency voting um, until Sunday prior to the election. And the elections office, the which I am in charge of, we handle election day. Primarily, my job is election day. However, we do um, 
program the voting equipment, produce the ballots that are used in early voting and on election day, and we um, tabulate the all of the ballots, the early ballots, the election day ballots, and provisional ballots. But we do not have anything to do with signature verification. We do not do signature verification, um, and we do not mail out the early ballots. We simply handle election day and the processing of those ballots. So if you didn't get your ballot, I've I've been a mail-in person, early ballot person for decades. In this last election, I didn't get my ballot, and I had to call and wait on hold for over an hour to talk to somebody. So if you had that situation, too, that's not Candace's department. That's the recorder's office. So, that's correct. Yeah, they, they're the ones to talk to about that. So let's talk about the voting process a little bit different than what we're used to. Sure. So um, the the voting process, um, of course, uh, Pima County went from precinct-based voting to vote centers. Um, The first election that we had vote centers was the August primary. And a vote center is a location where anyone can go in and cast a ballot. So no longer does it matter where you live as long as you're a registered voter in Pima County, you can go to any vote center and cast a ballot. So it's very convenient for everyone. But along with the vote centers came new technology. And that new technology enables um, the elections office and, of course, the recorder's office to ensure that voters are only casting one ballot on election day. The new technology, we have electronic poll books. Um, we call them EPO books, but they're electronic poll books, and the electronic poll books take the place of the paper voter registration list that they had in precincts previously. So the voter registration list is now an electronic list housed on an electronic poll book where the um, voters will come in, present their ID, um, provide their their name and address like they normally would, but they're checked in on electronically. Then they get the opportunity to verify their information and sign right there on the touchpad. And so that's how they get checked in. When that happens, it automatically produces a ballot. So when that voter is checked in, it tells a printer, which is a ballot-on-demand printer, BOD printer, that this voter's checked in, print a ballot for this voter. It prints the voter's ballot. And then um, we provide that voter a little slip to go to one of the judges, um, the judge of the opposite party primarily, and receive their ballot. And then they would vote like they normally would, go to one of the voting secrecy booths and actually mark their ballot. Okay, it sounds like you have a lot of checks and balances because if somebody, okay, what if somebody's registered as an independent? Who gives them their ballot? Either yes. party? Uh, either party can give them their ballot. So it doesn't matter, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't matter um, what party the voter is a part of. Um, the judges can issue a ballot for anyone. Okay, I think I misunderstood what you said then, because if they walk in and they'll have everybody who's registered to vote in that county. Correct. Okay, so you identify yourself with your voter registration card? You can use your voter registration card. Um, Photo ID is required, so primarily most people use their driver's license or um, an Arizona-issued ID. Okay, and then... They check you off on this electronic device, 
Correct. And that generates a ballot. Correct. A paper ballot. Yes. Okay. Where do you go after that? You've got your paper ballot. Is it the same thing? You go to a little booth that's kind of private? Yes, the exact same process. And so the only time the the parties really come into play are during primary elections. And so in a primary elections, it determines which ballot you actually receive. Now, but any judge, it doesn't matter what party that judge um, belongs to, can actually check the voter in and issue the ballot to the voter. The, um, The registration status determines which ballot they receive. Okay. So <laughs> that's for a primary, right? That's for because a primary. in general, you're going to get everybody's name on it. That it, well, you you have everybody's name um, during a primary and during a general election. So the the poll books are not um, split up by party. Okay. Yeah. So everyone, all of the registered voters in Pima County are on one poll book. Okay, and they've once you've been checked off, everybody in the county knows you've already voted and you're not voting again. That is correct. So that has to be a huge book. <laughs> it has to be a huge list of people. That's Yes, um um over about six hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, people on the list. Um, but it, it goes very quickly. Um, they can go in. So when they go in, if they have a an Arizona driver's license, they can scan the driver's license. So they're not actually searching for them. Okay. They can actually scan that driver's license. They can scan a um, voter registration card. Um, but if they do not have um, those types of identification, then they can search them manually. So they verify that they have the correct identification. Um, they would have to have two forms of identification if they did not have that picture ID. Okay, explain what kind of IDs you need, like a, a utility bill? Yes, a utility bill, a check statement, um, any mail from the um, voter registration office. Of course, it has to be for the current election. And um, and there is there is a whole list of documents, but you have to have two of those. Okay, so... At least two. Yes. Don't walk in and say, my name is Herbie Schwartz and I want to vote. They're going to go, no. Correct. <laughs> unless unless you have your driver's license and it's it's current and it has all of your um, current information on it. And then you are good to go. You just need that one identification. So is this eliminating the provisional ballot? It is not eliminating provisional ballots. So, okay. What? How, how does somebody end up with a provisional ballot? Because I... And we, I want to ask another question after that. But okay, that is a great question, Sherry. So provisional ballots um, will be reduced this election, but they will never go away. So <laughs> a provisional ballot is fail-safe voting. So provisional ballots are there um, in the event that someone comes in, they believe they've updated their address or they believe they registered to vote, but they're not on the list for some reason. Those individuals will be offered a provisional ballot. And so they can then um, cast a provisional ballot. It goes back to the recorder's office and the recorder does their research and determines whether or not we're going to cast that ballot. Right. Um, But what's changed for this election, um, there was a bill in the legislature um, that passed that changed the law where if we have electronic poll books in the vote centers, our polling places, um, then we can 
see whether or not an early voter, say, for instance, like yourself, if you're on the um, active um, early voting list, active voting list, and you receive a ballot in the mail, correct? If you show up on election day um, prior to the um, legislation going into effect, you would be required to vote a provisional ballot. However, as of September 24th, you are no longer required to vote a provisional ballot as long as we can see in the poll book that you've not returned that ballot. Okay, so this is a actually really nice checks and balance. Correct, yes. I think this is going to work. Okay, you almost had my approval. What? <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. When somebody updates their driver's license, let's say they move, they update their driver's license, does that automatically, or do you know it's not your bailiwick, um, does that automatically update their voting registration to the new address? I I am don't not know. sure yeah, how I don't that know actually either, works. But I, I think they should. I think it probably does. I know in Virginia, the process was they could update their information at the DMV and that information would come to the registrar to approve. And so it wasn't really automatic, but it was there. We would approve it. And most of the time it was um, approved. So, yes. Okay. All right. So we've got more questions here. So when you do provisional ballots, when do those get counted? And um, that's a great question. So uh, first, the, the, the first answer, the first thing I want to say is that if you cast a provisional ballot, do not do not automatically think that it's not going to be counted or that it is not counted just because the race isn't close. That is absolutely false. Um, provisional ballots um, are verified by the recorder. And once they're verified and approved, then those ballots are transferred back to elections and we then count those ballots. So that is after the election. Okay, so but they have to be counted. Every vote has to be counted. It doesn't matter whether it's provisional or if it's a regular or if it's mail-in, they have to be counted. Absolutely. As long as they are accepted and it is a, a legitimate voter, absolutely, it will be counted. Okay, what if you've voted... And on the way home, you died. Does that vote get counted? Ooh, that is a good question. That is not something that I have looked up um, in Pima County. Um, however, I will say this. So if you go into a vote center and cast your ballot in person, then your ballot will be counted. Okay, because they don't know which ballot was yours. That is absolutely correct. And but um, if it's a mail-in ballot, like mine's mail-in, mm-hmm. and about a month or so ago, we we had a, a meeting with um, the people, and they they're considering this proposition. And I agree that you should show an ID when you vote, but in the mail-in ballots, they're saying, okay, if you mail in, we want your driver's license, your birthday, your you know, and they went down this litany of things and I'm like, No, 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 too much information. You should put down the number that you're given on your voting ID. There's a number there. It identifies you. That's the number you should be asking for instead of all this other personal information. So I don't know how they wrote it, but I know that proposition's on the bill. I don't know if they rewrote it. 
I hope um, they did because I would vote yes if it was written correctly. Yes, and I know that's that's probably nationally they're asking for uh, additional information on the envelopes for mail-in ballots so that they can verify that the voter is who they say they are. Yeah, and I I was wondering because, like I said, this is the first time I've had to actually call in and go, where's my ballot? And they did send me another one. But she said, we're going to have to verify that you didn't get your first one or it wasn't submitted somewhere. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had this problem in years. All of a sudden, I've got this problem. Well, I mean, you know, and and to that point, um, not necessarily an early ballot, but on Election Day, if you go into a vote center on Election Day and you you get into that, that privacy booth, you mark your ballot and you say, oops, I made a mistake. You can go back to the check-in person and turn that ballot in. They will take that ballot. They will spoil the ballot and issue you another ballot. And so you can get up to three ballots um, on Election Day. We can spoil (laughs) up to three ballots um, and issue you another ballot. And um, so for those individuals who are concerned about the technology and the printers, if for some reason the printer jammed, um, we could issue another ballot to the voter and not count it against that voter. We can do an administrative reissue, but we would go into the voter's record, put in there that we're spoiling a ballot, that it was administrative. That means that it was something that happened on our end and issued that voter another ballot. Yeah, I remember the spoiled ballots. And you have, and they don't, I'm not talking shredders. <laughs> they write spoiled on the ballot. Absolutely. We do and not shred anything. They count every ballot that was issued, whether it's spoiled or, you know, not voted on. Here's your the remaining ballots that weren't used. Every ballot has to be counted, accounted for. And I think people just don't really understand that. That is correct. Um, the, the nice thing about having the ballot on demand printers is that we do not have a stack of ballots that we're actually having to maintain all day long. Um, the ballots are being printed. However, we do have some backup ballots there that hopefully they will never have to open. Right. Um, but, but they're there if they, they need them for any reason. Emergency ballots. Yes, that is correct. Okay. What if you have a problem at the voting center? What if, you know, and this was always a big deal. Somebody comes in and they need help in the voting booth. Who helps them, the relative or members of each party? So that is a great, great question. Um, So it could be both. So if they bring someone in to assist them, then that person can actually go into the voting booth to assist the the voter. Um, However, if they asked an officer to assist them, then yes, it should be um, two officers of the opposite party assisting the voter. However, there, we do have accessible voting equipment in our vote centers that allows individuals to vote independently. So if they're visually impaired or they have physical dexterity issues where they can't fill in the little bubbles because they seem to get smaller and smaller every year. I know, what's up with that? <laughs> um, you know, um, so if if they can't do that, we do have the accessible equipment, which it's it's really a touch screen. Um, and if they, they're visually impaired, they have the headset that they can wear they can navigate through the um, ballot using a touch pad and that touch pad also has braille on it and it simply produces a paper ballot it is not counting anything there's no tallying it is a different form of paper ballot but it is a paper ballot and it 
they all come back to the office into Central Count and they're counted in our office in Central Count. So you don't have anybody saying, let me do that for you. <laughs> let me vote for you. <laughs> uh, correct. But, you know, I know Arizona doesn't do that. So um, I'm confident. Yeah, well, people are, you know, they don't understand that a, a representative from both parties has to be at any major decision making even at the polling place, not just downtown where you're counting ballots, even at the polling place. And that's why they have so many people there. That is correct. And for individuals who, who do not know, this was you know brought up. It's a, it's a big discussion right now, um, having um, equal representation in, in polling places. And um, the statutes require that we have at least two judges, uh, one um, of each um one of each of the major political parties, so one Democrat, one Republican. However, when you walk into a vote center in Pima County, wherever you see a check-in table where there is an actual um, touchpad there to check voters in, you will see two judges, one Democrat, one Republican. So if we have three, we have six judges as opposed to just the two that are required by law. Exactly. And it's been that way for a long time. This isn't something new. This didn't happen because of the last election. It's been that way. I've been, I've worked elections for decades in Chicago and here, and it's been that way. And it's a checks and balance and it's just how it goes. And if you don't understand how it goes, maybe you should look it up and see how it works before you say it's, it's not been handled correctly because they're very safe. The elections are very safe. Elections are very safe. Absolutely. One thing I would encourage people to do, there's a lot of propositions and there's a lot of people to vote for. Do your research before you get to the polling booth because there's usually a line. People want to get in, get it, and get out. <laughs> you know. So do your research. And I always brought a little, when I was voting before, I always brought a little cheat sheet. Okay, here's what, what I'm voting for and especially with the propositions. Yes, no, or whatever. But do your homework before you get there. So you're not holding everybody up, right? That is correct. It is a long ballot. So doing your homework is key and germane. And everyone receives a sample ballot that is not on the early voting list. I do recommend, um, as Sherry said, doing your homework. Go ahead and mark up your little sample ballot. You can bring that with you to the vote center and then you can get out that much quicker. Yeah, you've got things to do too. So, and what to wear attire I know people don't understand when they're wearing their favorite candidate's T-shirt that we're not going to let them into the polling place. Either, you know, put it inside out or put a coat on, cover it up, but you can't be doing this. Explain that to people. Well, actually, that's not true. Okay. Wait a minute. um, When did that change? I don't know, but that's that's the law. um, Voters can actually wear um, their candidate paraphernalia their hats their t-shirts as long as they're not trying to influence another voter they are able to come in they're able able to come in representing whichever candidate they want however observers cannot so if there is a political party observer in the vote center they cannot wear any candidate or party paraphernalia. They have to wear regular clothes like everyone else that's in the vote center. But um, voters can actually come in with their um, hats and T-shirts on. Yeah, that that wasn't allowed 
last time I, how far away from the polling place can they politic? Campaign? <laughs> campaign. It's, it's 75 feet. It's only 75 feet. It was longer yes, before. It's, it's 75 feet um, from the entrance of that, that, that polling place. Yes. So if you've got people, if you're trying to get into a polling place and you've got people telling you who to vote for and they're within 75 feet, who do you report that to? If they're inside the 75-foot limit, then you would, when you walk in, you should see the marshal and report that to the marshal. The marshal will police that area and um, ask them to move back. And um, however, they can hand out, um, as long as they're not crossing the line, they can hand out their campaign literature, as long as they're not intimidating voters. If anyone feels intimidated or they feel like um, the path is being blocked um, somehow, they should definitely notify the marshal and inspector when they get inside that vote center. Okay. Campaign literature was never allowed either inside the polling place. So if they're being handed campaign literature and somebody's going inside to vote, then what happens? So the voter, because it could be a sample ballot they marked up for maybe the Republican or Democratic Party, right? Um, And say, hey, vote for this list of people. And they're just handing it to them. So the voter can bring that in with them. They're not supposed to be flagging it around, waving it around, saying, hey, vote for these people. No, if it's their... um, They've been given it. If they want to use it, that's fine. They can go into the booth, mark their ballot, take it with them. But we do have um, people that are uh, cleaning out the booth after voters leave to make sure they're removing any of that material that may get left behind. Are they spraying everything with Lysol in between? They're not spraying it, but we do have wipes. <laughs> um, you know, we do have wipes to, to wipe down um, the, the pens and, and um, the voting booths. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Hi, this is Rich Tracy. The Law Matters Live weekly radio show was created to give law enforcement a voice rather than a soundbite. In doing so, we also give our listeners a voice with federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies across the country, the legal community, government officials, and our military. You will hear truthful, up-to-date information valuable to you and your family while contributing to and encouraging safer communities. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You are not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I dot org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. 
Law Matters opens lines of communication between you and law enforcement. Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, we talk with the attorney representing Arizona Conference of Police and Sheriffs about how this organization protects those who protect us. And check out Law Matters sponsorship page on lawmatters1030.org website. Maybe you or your company would like to join our mission and help keep the conversation open. Podcasts can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org website. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is Constance Hargrove, and she's the elections director. She's getting us ready for, there's been some changes. She's getting us ready since the last time I was in a polling center because I always voted early ballot because I was working the polling center. And yes. I just really like the convenience of being able to sit down, have a cup of coffee, and go through what's going on before I get there or just to be able to mail it in and do my homework. And I wish more people would do homework. Before, <laughs> you know, think about who you're voting for. So let's talk about early ballots. When do they get counted? So early ballots, um, so there there is a process. So um, some people already know who they're going to vote for. So as soon as they get that early ballot, they mark it and they get it back to the recorder's office. As soon as the recorder um, gets a batch of early ballots in, then they start um, doing signature verification on those ballots. Those ballots are then transferred. So um, the chain of custody of those ballots are then transferred to the elections department where we have an, a board, it's called an early board, that actually goes through, they open, and they separate the ballots. Okay. People, the recorder's office does not open your ballot. That it's is correct. That you put your ballot in an envelope that's sealed. You put that sealed envelope in another envelope to mail. When it gets to the recorder's office, they open the first envelope, verify the signature, and I have been called from the recorder's office, hey, did you do this, blah, 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 and they'll ask you questions that only you can answer to verify that this is you. So I've had that phone call, so I know they do it. And then all those sealed ballots go to Constance's office. It's on her desk. Correct. And you get to open all that mail. We get we get to <laughs> we get to open them, and so the the board will um, they will open the envelopes, make sure that they have the affidavit envelopes. Of course, they will open and separate those out. They will um, look at the ballots, not who they voted for, but just scan the ballots to make sure that they're not stray marks. There's not coffee or anything that would cause them not to be able to be scanned. (laughs) And um, if for some reason they identify ballots that will not be able to be scanned, it goes to the duplication board and the duplication board takes those those ballots. The duplication board are um, members of opposite parties. So they're always two people. Um, with any part of this process. They're always two people. They're always observers. The um, observers are assigned to our office as soon as we have voted ballots in our office. And they're there. So they go to the duplication board. The board, they didn't duplicate the ballot onto a um, express vote ballot, actually, um, so that it can be counted by the scanner. And then once those um, that's done, we start scanning those ballots. Not tabulating, but scanning so there's a difference there is a difference so early ballots the early ballot process starts 
fairly early in the month, so probably around October 24th, we will start this process where we are scanning the ballots, but we do not tabulate any ballots until election night. At what time? So the close, the polls close at 7 p.m. So we can tabulate and print those results at 7, but we cannot release results until 8 p.m. Okay. So even though we are tabulating and we can start to produce the results, and normally the first um, report that you see of uh, the tallies are early ballots because, of course, the Election Day ballots are still coming in. We have not tabulated those yet. So the first results that you see posted are always going to be early ballots. They post at 8 p.m. So the first time you will see any results is 8 p.m. on election night. I always felt bad for Hawaii. Because everybody, oh, the election's over and they're just voting. It's just like, you poor guys. (laughs) It's like, I think they should hold off and let Hawaii do their thing. Just because. You think so? (laughs) (laughs) Next day. (laughs) The next day, yeah. Go to bed, get some rest. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's that's the the early ballot process. And of course, um, individuals understand that early ballots are... um, you know, are, are still, they have been mailed in. They can still be dropped off all day on election day. They yeah. can be dropped off in the vote centers on election day. And all of those ballots go through the same process. So they still begin in the recorder's office with the signature verification and then get transferred over to elections. So how do people find out where these vote centers are? So we have that information on our website and see it is if you go to Pima.gov forward slash vote V-O-T-E 2022 and it has all of that information on that website. Um, It's called our Vote Anywhere page and you can also link to the recorders page um, to see uh, early ballot information, how to track that information. Yes, you can track your vote. Yes, Absolutely, and that is on the recorder's page. You don't do that, they do that. That is correct. So, if you want to know that your vote was counted, go to the recorder's office and track your vote. It's easy. I've done it just because I wanted to do it. Yes. Okay. What about safety and security at these polling places? Right. So um, as far as as voters are concerned, and we've been very fortunate here in Pima County where there have not been a lot of threats and um, harassment at at any vote centers, but the poll workers are trained to be alert and aware of um, anything that's going on in the vote center. So if if for some reason there um, seems to be a threat in the vote center, then these poll workers will be immediately address that threat. And if they feel that law enforcement needs to be called, they will contact law enforcement to make sure that um, any threats are removed. So that means any voter. So if a voter comes into the vote center and they are disrupting the process, those voters will be asked to calm down. If they are not going to calm down, they will be asked to leave the premises and if they do not leave on their own, they will be escorted out by law enforcement. Yeah, if they leave the premises and just go outside and continue this bad behavior, you're going to be in trouble. And I know that law enforcement cruises the areas of these polling places during the election season. They've always done that. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's new. 
they've always been very protective of what's going on with the voting. Mm-hmm. So and um and and let's let's just talk a little bit about so we we're talking about oh safety and I think the next question was probably ballot security. <laughs> <laughs> just ready to roll right into that. When we talk about um safety, safety also includes the ballots, the equipment. Mm-hmm. And the important thing to remember is that people make voting secure. Yes. People make voting safe. We can have as much equipment as we want to have, but it's the people that actually make voting secure and voting safe. And the ballots are secured all day long because the people are there watching these ballot boxes. If the ballot box was sitting there all by itself, then someone could very easily walk away with that. But we have people who are watching ballot boxes. When you put your ballot in, they're watching it. They maintain chain of custody of those ballots all day long. At the end of the night, they actually count the ballots, reseal them so they know how many they have, um, and they maintain chain of custody until they transfer that chain of custody to a receiving station. And they they, tra- they transfer it, um, but they've already recorded how many ballots that they are giving to the receiving station so that when we get the ballots back in our office in Central Count, everybody has already checked off how many they are. We get them, we verify that same information, and chain of custody then is transferred to us. Um, you know, once everything is tallied and um, the tabulation is complete, we have a hand count audit the Saturday after the election. And once that is complete, we pack up ballots and we transfer them to the treasurer. The treasurer then maintains chain of custody of those ballots. And the only way you can get those ballots is by a court order. When the polling plays, this is how it used to be. Tell me if this changed too. When we got done at the polling place, we had to account for every ballot that was issued to us and put them in a category, voted, not voted, spoiled, whatever, and take all those to, you're talking about a a secure place where all the ballots were taken to that place and they take over custody of all these ballots. Correct. From all these different voting places that are in their particular area. That is correct. Then somebody from that place takes all those ballots and brings them to you. That is correct. It's kind of like Pony Express, only updated. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) And thought about it that way, but a little bit. (laughs) So if you're, you're feeling the need to vote this year, and I'm hoping everybody votes this year. Yes, vote. Um, do your homework. Really, really do your homework. What do you want people to know about things that we haven't covered? Um, just that if, if you go into the vote center and for any reason you're experiencing a problem um, and you do not leave, you know, insist that you be allowed to vote. If you know you're an eligible voter, um, speak to the inspector. You should never leave. And if they're still um, not understanding that, have them call the hotline and we will walk them through what they need to do for you. Um, you should be offered a provisional ballot if they're for some reason they cannot find you. It's not precinct voting. It's a vote center. Um, so they should be able to find every voter um, in their poll book. So you have the right to vote. That is the first thing I want you to know. You have the right to vote um, in the vote center. 
Um, you do have the right to ask questions of the inspector. And the important thing I guess I need to relate to you is that as far as sample ballots are concerned, we have a vote center. We have 278 precincts. You will not see sample ballots taped to the wall. Um, you can request a sample ballot and we can print one on demand. You, If you come into the vote center and you want a sample ballot, we will print it on demand. However, as far as the propositions, the full text inserts um, that you have with your sample ballots at home, we will post the full text of those propositions because it's just too much to to print. So those will be posted in the vote centers. That's a good point because our voting ballots are not going to be the same as Maricopa County or Cochise County. We've got different things going on. So you really need to identify where you live. That is correct. And, you know, if you're in a precinct in the, the town of Marana, for instance, you know, you will have uh, additional people on your ballot that someone that lives in Oro Valley will not have on their ballot. Yeah. So, so it's very important. Yes. Identify where you live. Yes. And yes, there is a hotline. We've always had communications with, we called it headquarters, with yes. you to solve any questions or, you know, there's concerns. We, there is a hotline where they can call in and say, hey, this is going on. How do I handle it? What do I do? So there's help at the at the polling places. There's help. Yes. All kinds yes. of help. Always help. And, um, you know, just that, you know, I know there's, um, you know, a lot of information out here. Some is correct. Some is not correct. Um, if there is ever a concern, you should always just contact the elections office and we can provide you the accurate information. We are concerned about elections. Um, I am concerned about elections. I have been doing this for 28 years. Um, I'm here for the voter. Um, that's my main purpose of having this job is to serve the voters of Arizona. So if you ever have a question, please feel free to contact my office. Our phone number is 520-724-6830. What's the biggest myth that you run into, people are concerned about voting, and there seems to be a lot of myths out there. What's the biggest one? Well, I think it's it's a lot of confusion right now because we've implemented the electronic poll books in the vote centers, and people think that we are voting electronically, um, that they're no longer paper ballots. It's still a paper ballot system. Everything is a paper ballot. Um, and then the other um, myth is that um, we're using Sharpies, in, in vote centers um, that's an Arizona thing that we're using Sharpies in vote centers and we absolutely do not use Sharpies um, we have used markers in the past but I have implemented for the November election ballpoint pens in the vote centers so we no longer have to be concerned about that now because Sharpies would bleed through to the next page yes a Sharpie so, would yeah. yes but the markers that we use did not so, voting hours? Voting hours are 6 a.m. until 7 p.m. And if you're in line before 7 o'clock and the, it's 7.30 and you're still in line, hopefully that won't happen. You still have... <laughs> You still have a right to vote. That is absolutely correct. If you're in line at 7 p.m., um, you you do not go anywhere. You get to cast a ballot. Okay. Now, you're in line... Seven o'clock rolls around. Somebody comes out of the voting place and goes, oh, yay, oh, yay, the polls are now closed. 
Do Don't not get, leave. Do not leave. <laughs> <laughs> Stay the pose are closed. But do not leave. Line. You are in line. Yes. So you, you can stay there and vote. So don't don't worry about that part. And what type of this is something that would come across when I was working elections. People would say, well, how do I know that you're a Democrat and you're a Republican and you're a Green Party or Purple Party or whatever it is? Why don't they have issue vests? Red vests for the Republicans, <laughs> blue for, and green for the Green Party. Why don't they, you know, so people can, at a glance, they can see what's going on. We'd look like Skittles, but... Hey, <laughs> <laughs> so we are we are actually working on that. So for this election, the quick fix was that we we purchased um, um, name tags that um, have a little um, the the banner around the name tag is a color. Okay. So the Republicans will have red. Uh, um, of course, the Democrats will have blue. Libertarians yellow, and then um, it will also have Republican and Democrat printed on there. But for all the others, it's, it's just going to It is what it is. It, yes. It is what it is. Because I'm an independent. I guess I don't get a color. You do not get a color. Yours would just be of, white. I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> <laughs> Can I pick a color? We thought about purple. I don't know if we've, we've decided <laughs> on what that's going to be yet. I just think that would be a way of, of simplifying things that people would at a glance be able to know, hey... There's an issue here, but representatives from both parties are there to help it out. Not, you know, gee, who is that person? So absolutely, absolutely. And the makeup of the the vote center, just very quickly, um, the inspector is of whatever party the inspector is, Republican or Democrat. The marshal is the opposite party of the inspector. So if the inspector is a Democrat, the marshal is going to be a Republican. Your judges are both Republican and Democrats. So there's always um, one of each um, in the vote center. But you can have clerks, many clerks, and clerks can be independents, um, libertarian, Green Party, whatever party they represent, or non-party, party not designated. Um, but um, you always have that mix of representation of the two major political parties in the vote centers. I remember as an inspector, I was covering few polling places. I didn't stay in one place. Does People don't understand that part of it. Explain to them what the inspector does. The inspector is the boss. The inspector is the supervisor, and they're managing that polling place. Um, Whatever's going on, so they're instructing people, they're directing people, they're watching for emergency situations. They're just doing a lot of things. Um, So for those of us who have jobs, we know that, you know, if there's a manager (laughs) or someone overseeing a process, they're in charge. And so they need to know what's going on. They can interact with the observers, but they're the only ones that can interact with the observers. So absolutely, the inspector is all over everywhere. Um, The inspector can fill in for um, someone if they need to, um, for one of the judges if that needs to happen. Um, So yeah, you will see that inspector moving around as as well as the marshal. The marshal um, is actually the police of the vote center, um, making sure that there's no trouble. And then marshal will float in and out of the vote center, making sure that no one is crossing the 75-foot um, limit that's set up, the making sure the signs are still posted, making sure if there is anyone who may need um, assistance curbside that they're out there checking things out. So the marshal and the inspector are moving around quite a bit. 
So people who do need assistance, maybe a handicapped person, how is how are these facilities catering to that need? So each um, vote center is handicap accessible. So if the individual is able to and wants to come into the vote center, they have access and they can come in and use the accessible voting equipment um, to vote independently or they can get assistance. But there is also curbside voting. So if someone comes um, and they can't get out of the vehicle for whatever reason, then we go out to the car um Um, individuals, officers of opposite parties go out to the car to assist them with their voting. Take the, we can take the poll book outside now. So we can take the poll book out. They can check in just like everyone else and sign um, themselves. And then the, um, the two officers will go in, they would get the ballot. They bring the ballot back out always to staying with them. They bring the ballot back in after it's voted and they put it into the ballot box. Together. Together. <laughs> Always together. Always together. Yeah, I, for a while there, I felt like I was joined at the hip. <laughs> <laughs> so you hope you get along with the person that you're working with. <laughs> yes, that's important. And you know, there was always this, this sense of camaraderie at the polling places because you're all there for the same mission. Let's get the vote in. Let's make sure it's correct. Let's make sure it's ethical. And even though you're all different parties, you work together to make that happen. Absolutely. And that's that's the whole point of the thing. And be be vigilant. Be aware of what's going on around you. And please do your homework at home. Don't wait till you get to the polling place and then decide, oh, I'm going to read all these propositions because there's a few of them. And the other thing I would suggest, they have they send out these ballots in the propositions beforehand. Look them up on the computer, too. Don't just read what's on there because sometimes they use language that's a little bit confusing and people go, I read it, but I don't know what it said. (laughs) I'm like, I'm with you. (laughs) I'm right there. So do a little homework on that because these propositions are really important. So you want to, you want to check that out. What else? Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Just vote. Um, You know, we, we, we work very hard to make sure that we have a, location that is safe and secure that we have um, that you have access and it's very important that you vote you know that is our sole purpose and we want you to come out and vote locations how did you pick the locations so the locations um, were picked based on traditional precinct locations that we had before and so they looked at those precincts to see if they could still be used as a vote center because some of them are larger. Um, they looked for accessibility. They looked um, within trying to keep vote centers within about three miles of each other. Some are a little closer, but um, within three miles and some are further apart. It just it really depends on where you are. Geography, yeah. Right. So if you're in Mount Lemon, you may have to drive a long way if for some reason you didn't have a vote center. Um, but yeah, that's how they were picked based on the traditional precincts that were there before and trying to make sure that there was accessibility, that they are on the um, public transportation line for individuals who need to catch the bus um, and convenience. Yeah, so just... All those things were a part of the process. So did you personally drive all over the state of Arizona picking these places? These locations were picked before I got here, so no. Aren't you glad? (laughs) (laughs) 
No, thank you. <laughs> and the, the Pima County is a large county. You know, I was out in Green Valley yesterday, so that's about an hour away from where I actually live. Wow. Uh, so yeah. the county is huge. It is a huge county. People don't understand how big this county is. Yes. And I get people call me and say, hey, I've got this happening. Would you go do it? It's in Tucson. I'm like, yeah, over 300 square miles. Give me a address. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's crazy. Absolutely. So... Hopefully everybody registers because the deadline is the 11th. Tuesday. Tuesday. You want to do it. You want to get it in. You want to be able to vote. You don't want to be left out because if you didn't vote, you can't complain. (laughs) So if you're going to complain, you better vote. (laughs) I've asked people that. They're complaining. Did you vote? No. Be quiet. (laughs) <laughs> you have no voice. This this is your voice. It is. It and is your voice. You need to use it. And you need to use it. It is your voice. And you need to use it. And I don't know. Um, you know, we may have some listeners who are interested in being poll workers or they have submitted applications to be to be poll workers and um, we may not be able to use everyone for this election. We have very specific slots that we are trying to fill. And if you're interested in filling one of those slots and you're willing to travel, give our office a call. Travel how far? It depends. <laughs> how do you feel about Flagstaff? No. <laughs> it depends. Yes. So, of course, um, Ajo sales you know those areas that's a really long way yeah it is um you know we did we do have some individuals who um i think they have an rv and they're willing to spend the night um in that area just so they can work the polls that's dedication that's dedication good for them that's awesome that's amazing actually (laughs) okay don't forget we do have a, a Veterans Day parade happening this year. So if you're interested, go online and, and if you want to be in it, you have to fill out a form. If you just want to be there and, and cheer our veterans on, the map will be uh, posted on that website as well. And that's the American Legion Veterans Day parade website. And it's really long address, but it'll get you there. And don't forget, too, that on the 13th at Pioneer Title. We'll be doing a presentation on reverse mortgage, and we can do this down to 55 years of age, up to $4 million. So if you're interested in that, let me know. And the Rockin' for Heroes concert is on the 16th of October in Oral Valley. They have a website, too, and it should be great. It's a free concert, but they would be happy to take your donation. It'll help build this memorial. And don't forget to vote. Everybody needs to vote. I want to Thank you for coming on and explaining this. Things have changed and you taught me a lot, so I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on. You've got a great job. You only have to work one day a year for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Not true. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. (laughs) You've got a hard job. (laughs) Hats off to you. (laughs) And Yeah, everybody vote. And I'm interested in learning more about this e-poll books thing. So I want to I want to see it. And maybe you can do classes after the election to teach people about the process that it's turned into. Sure. We can probably have a lab. It sounds very effective. So until next week, shop local, stay safe.
Law Matters opens lines of communication between you and law enforcement. Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, we talk with the attorney representing Arizona Conference of Police and Sheriffs about how this organization protects those who protect us. And check out Law Matters sponsorship page on lawmatters1030.org website. Maybe you or your company would like to join our mission and help keep the conversation open. Podcasts can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org website.